Happy New hey. Year! Yeah, no, uh, we New are... New Year, same bit. Yes, uh, I was really hoping that it wouldn't be, but did you? here we are. Yeah. It was a, did you think I'd make some sort of New Year's resolution to annoy you less? Uh, well, I thought just like in more interesting and creative ways, but I mean, if you're going to stick with this... I mean, it, it ain't broken, why fix it? Mm, it's broken. <laughs> uh, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by Catherine Rubino here. As Chris Williams is here somewhere. I know you're from Above the Law. Where is Catherine and I from? For now, Above the Law. Let, let's wow. see how you... Wow, uh, I like Oh, you, no. You. Let's see if you... How much <laughs> you annoy me. Uh, so... But you, you think... You have some some power over me that is high comedy. Uh, we are your hosts, and we are usually doing a, a chat about the legal stories of the week that was. But this week, uh, since we're we're starting things off this year, let's uh, we're going to have a look back at twenty twenty three, the year that was. Ah, yeah. I think we should do like a a year that was small talk. It's like a year in review. I heard the word small talk, so. Small talk. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. How was holiday time everything? Well, Chris might be interested to hear that I am currently in the midst of a vendetta with Taylor Swift's official store. Oh, no. Oh. Placed in order on December 1st. Did not indicate that there was any delay in the stuff that I purchased. Did not receive it in time for the holidays. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. Come on. Come on. They, not only did I not receive it in time, they never told me it was going to be delayed. I had to reach out like through their helpline and be like, hey, what's going on with my shit? And then they keep on being like, oh, it looks like there might be some delays. I'm like, well, will I get it in time for the holidays? And no one can answer my question. You know what? Like... I appreciate the hustle and I want to support, you know, Taylor Swift and all that kind of stuff. But when something like this happens on Etsy, Etsy gives you a full refund and then you're, you know, in a, enough time that you're able to place another order so that you have something to open up on Christmas Day. So, so did you get it in time for the holiday? No. Mm. Was it a WWTSD bracelet? No, see the thing is, I already bought, I bought other stuff from Taylor Swift official store as well. I actually received this Speak Now bracelet I bought for my niece, but did not receive the T-shirt or sweatshirt that I bought for her. And it's just a real irritant, a real. And listen, I had as I was saying, like I had a similar issue on Etsy. There was something I had purchased for one of my nieces, and this shop went out of business after it took my money, basically. And Etsy immediately is like hey, did you get this? We don't think you got it. I was like, I did not get it. They're like, okay, immediately, here's a refund. Mm. Like, so such a delight to deal with. Whereas you think when you're dealing with the official store, you're going to get a better customer experience. And that is not always accurate. Well, I'm I'm, story, I'm, I'm sure you'll still find it in your heart, some way to shake it off. <laughs> okay. Oh. No, she, she put in an order and all she got was a blank space. Okay, okay. Half yeah. credit there. Half credit there. Are you are you gonna turn, I'm sorry, I got, are you gonna I hate her ever more now? <laughs> all, I, all I gotta say is Beyonce would never do this. <laughs> How was your holiday season? Well, my holiday season's pretty good. So this year my my baby made rum cake for the first time. 
So I got, to, I got to see the whole process and um, I had to finish product and it was rummy. It was, it was rummy and it was cakey. It's in the title. Listen, I've, I've, that's, that can be misleading. I've had some, um, what is it? What is it? Is, is fruitcake? There's, I, I, fruit, I feel like fruitcake is more like hard tack. Like there's nothing cakey about it. Is that, True. Is that nor, nor, nor alcoholy. You, right. you remind yeah. me of, do you watch a lot of um, holiday baking championship with Nancy Fuller? And no. Really? I would I would be offended if you thought I did. Mm-hmm. Carla Hall. Uh, anyway, Nancy Fuller is a big fan of alcohol in her cakes and sweets, and so this is what this was reminding me of. Mm. Yeah, it was it was it was good though. It had like a nice little mix of like Taylor Port and Ray and nephew, like the traditional ways that you would make a rum cake. And there was so much. I, I don't know. I don't know if start is the right word. It makes it feel like more like sourdough. But there was so much. <laughs> there was so much of it. So much of the the raw material that there's room for a whole bunch more. So I'm very happy. And once the uh, back of my mouth heals up because I recently had my wisdom teeth removed, be Ooh. very inebriated off of cake alone, which I'm looking forward to. It's always cool yeah. to have like a new route of entry for a, 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 a <laughs> traditional standby. Yeah, that wisdom teeth thing is not fun at all. No. At all. How about your holidays, Joe? No good. You know, uh, I made some of my classic fudge. Uh, that was my my is biggest. Is fudge big... a class a holiday classic? Y- yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, we're it, having it, deja vu. This was this was small talk of last week, wasn't it? Or a couple of weeks ago. I still yeah. don't think that fudge. Well, then you brought it up a second time. It's not my fault. I have the same reaction. <laughs> My standby is what would Will Ferrell and Elf think? And again, so this is Joe and Chris from Above the Law and Catherine. Uh, oh, hilarious that you think you're in charge. <laughs> hilarious! I know you're a white guy. Okay, playing around with the say. I mean, it, 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 yeah, that was uncalled for and i'm sure our <laughs> listeners are quite displeased that they had to rip their headphones out of their ears to deal with your we'll adjust imprudent, the level in post uh sound effects we'll we'll, we'll adjust the level in post Boo. it's very bah humbug joe yeah so what else did you do besides make fudge i mean that's that's a lot of it drink you know it, it, i'm not a i yeah i don't i there, there's nothing really festive to you know, just kind of no drink times. and eat. Yeah, drink and eat and enjoy having a little bit of time to collect my thoughts and prep for this show. You know, because that's what I do with my time worst. off is get a life. Do, get more work in. <laughs> do, do more living. Okay. I guess that ends small talk. <laughs> get a life. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm Joe from Above the Law and I'm joined by other people. Uh so yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about the year. Let's talk about 2023 now that we've got it kind of in the rearview mirror. It was a uh, it was an interesting year. I think I the the best way to kind of break this down I thought was to talk about some of the biggest stories of the year and I grouped them somewhat by category. So let's talk about courts. I think the biggest stories of the year in courts. What do you think we got here? Uh, everything to do with uh, Supreme Court ethics. What up with that? Yeah. Oh, what, we don't have I any. Mean, what are cool, they? Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. This is a great year to not like Clarence Thomas. It seemed like every couple of weeks, ProPublica had a new banger. Like if these were songs, I, they, they won't repeat. 
There's some yeah. good diss tracks out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take it. ProPublica, like, talk about talk about people who really kicked it. Doing out of the, the Lord's work. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did a fantastic job this year. They initially found. Uh, so the first thing they found was uh, a roughly half a million dollars that people have billionaires have been giving Clarence Thomas in the form of free vacations and stuff like that that he never disclosed, uh, despite being legally required to do so. He responded that there was no ethical standards for the Supreme Court, and so he'll he didn't have to do anything. I any do what of this. I want. Yeah, he thought he thought that this was all okay, and there's nothing wrong. Uh, in it, it almost seemed like they were the ProPublica was slow playing this because as soon as he went with the argument, well, there's nothing about this that would rise to the level of not just being personal hospitality. They immediately turn around and drop all the allegations that aren't about personal hospitality. It's like they were saving it, waiting for him <laughs> to lock into that answer. Uh, that's when we started learning that billionaire Harlan Crow, uh, whose brother just got nabbed in a, in a giant sex trafficking ring uh, case, which by the way, that 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 what I, I think it's really important that this is a side part of the Supreme Court this year is some kind of weird giant sex trafficking ring. And it, it, it's it's like, it doesn't even make it to the top of our list of things to talk about that's <laughs> corrupt here. Uh, so this is when we learned that Thomas was taking money to pay for his quote-unquote son, not really his son, but who he uh, raises as a son. nephew who raised yeah. as a son, right? Yeah, uh, paying for his private school tuition uh, with billionaire dollars. His mom's house was owned and lived in rent-free by billionaires. We learned that he got an RV that was paid for by a pharma executive. It was a loan, quote unquote, which he said, you know, well, it's a loan. Ultimately, it was a loan that was satisfied. Uh, people who are familiar with how Aaron Rodgers talks about immunizations pushed a little bit further and figured <laughs> out what does satisfied mean? And it turns out what that means is forgiven without having been paid back. So he got a free RV out of this deal. It's just, it just was Week after week, more stuff. And then the last thing that came out of the year was when we learned that this was all due. Oh, yeah. And Ginny got paid a bunch of money under the table. I was going to say, that wasn't ProPublica. I think that was the Washington Post that yeah. found out that Leonard Leo of FedSoc fame wrote down uh, <laughs> in documentation uh, that they were trying to uh, funnel money to Ginny Thomas without documenting it. Of course, the irony of documenting your attempts to not document something is not really lost on me in or in, for her advocacy work because they wanted to avoid uncomfortable questions. Yeah. And then the last revelation on Thomas of the year was right. Right. As the year is coming to close, ProPublica busts out that there was a pattern in the 90s of him talking to wealthy people in the conservative movement and claiming that, well, you know. Uh, we, I may have to leave the court if I don't start getting more money, mm -hmm. uh, at which point they started this scheme to funnel lots of free stuff to him. Just brazen. And it's the sort of thing that in past years, bipartisan folks would be up in arms about this, but that's no longer the world we live in. That is accurate. And it wasn't like he was alone either. Yes. Because we eventually learned that Sam Alito was getting free stuff too. Now, Sam Alito tried to pre-butt the story by going to the Wall Street Journal first. Uh, this, of course, 
low-key was an admission that he was the leak of the Dobbs decision to the extent that that, before it came out in Politico, was originally foreshadowed by the Wall Street Journal, which the fact that Alito is able to get them to publish his essay is, you know, circumstantial, of course, but, you know, you know. (laughs) Anyway, so... Oh, we know. So he goes to to the Wall Street Journal and tries to pre-butt this with a series of really tortured dictionary definitions trying to claim that it's okay that he took a private jet paid for by a billionaire to a luxury resort that he hung out where he got to hang out with folks like Leonard Leo and other folks. Hey, well, and the person who paid for it all, of course, was this uh, billionaire singer who was ultimately was a litigant before the court, who was a litigant at the time, if I recall, mm-hmm. and he was hanging out with him. Now, he claimed he barely knew the guy, but this is where it came back to uh, classic above the law, because years and years and years ago, former editor of Above the Law, David Latt, used to go to all the conservative shindigs and went to an awards show where Singer and Alito gave speeches talking about how close they were. (laughs) (laughs) Something that clearly he'd forgotten he'd done and probably could have slid under the radar except that Latt was there and documented it in the pages of Above the Law like a decade ago, over a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that the Alito scandal shows, I think, how widespread and how problematic the lack of an enforceable ethics code has been. But but I think one of the other interesting thing is that a lot of other publications tried to kind of get in on the ethical problems on the Supreme Court action. And not not all of it has quite the punch of the ones that we have talked about with with Thomas and Alito. There's a in 2023 it came out that Jane Roberts, wife mm-hmm. of of John Roberts, is a big law recruiter. Yeah. I mean, that's all that that's the story. There's nothing actually scandalous nothing about it. They try to make it that way. But yeah, she gets paychecks because she places uh, cl- uh, uh, candidates ca- yeah. candidates at different law firms so she gets paid because that's the business model. Yeah, uh, there was an attempt to kind of make this seem like the millions she gets from that job is somehow shady. It just, it, it reeks of people who just don't understand the industry. Yeah. Another one that felt wonky was, uh, oh, one of Clarence Thomas's former clerks had their Venmo oh, information yeah. visible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because there like, was some there was some sort of a party, and they all like paid each other back for like their Christmas party or something. Yeah, like yeah that. they, they that, paid for that. And that was one of the things where I was like, I it, I was like, it hurts to write this because as much as I love <laughs> as much as I love dunking on Uncle Thomas, this isn't the time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think that ultimately, I appreciate the renewed vigor with which people are approaching court ethics, but not everything is actually a scandal. Right. Like the fact that Sotomayor Mm -hmm. had clerks with her while she was selling books, which is part of the part of what the Supreme Court's supposed to do. It's part of the like civil outreach is right. And also the money she got from her book sales, she was all disclosed on her forms, which is unlike. Yeah. Disclosure. Yeah. It's amazing, huh? Yes. Also, one of my one of the, what I think in the year was one of the funnest uh, disclosure things. Actually, this is an example of a Supreme Court judge actually doing her job. And it was kind of cute. Uh, Kataji Brown Jackson disclosing that Oprah gifted her like a $1,200 bouquet, you know, Aww. or there was a, what was it? Uh, Kagan who refused uh, yeah. bagels. Refused 
bagels from her friend, her high school yeah. friends, or something like that, because she yeah. was worried about it. Yeah. So it so yeah. it is nice to see like amongst amongst so much of the well, you on the left did this, you on the right did this. Like, no, it's very clear. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just the Republican leaning judges that have an issue with truth and transparency. Well, well, and this goes back to that final revelation about Thomas, too, which was that it became clear based on the documents that ProPublica was able to come up with there that what was going on is that Thomas and Alito seems to have jumped on board, had really set the stage for, hey, conservative legal movement, if you want us to not resign under Democrats and, and change this court, Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Yeah. Give me money and I'll stay on the court and make the kinds of decisions you enjoy. Yeah. Well, to to that, and this might be the nitpick a little bit. I don't know if it's fair to start with Clarence because this was a thing that was happening with Scalia for years. So chances are when 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 Clarence was like, oh, my friend said it was OK, he was probably Scalia. <laughs> yeah, may, well, well, definitely the disclosure stuff. I I, yeah. I do think that it might well be based on what we've seen from ProPublica. Pro I, I think it may well be that that he was the one who started the, Thomas you know, you can heights. funnel us money yeah. here. Okay. Yeah, but. Okay. Interesting stuff. J- just the timeline wise, because like Scalia would have only been on the court for a few years at that point. We didn't know necessarily of things that he was doing prior to the mm-hmm. 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, ProPublica found that he went on this same Alaska junket that Alito did ultimately. So, but that was in the 2000s. Uh, yeah, anyway, well, so Supreme Court's a mess, but thankfully that's not the end of uh, court disasters. One story that, Chris, you've been specifically on top of all year is the Pauline Newman efforts. It's the pettiest work dispute I've ever been aware of. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. And, and, he, and he knows of Catherine interrupting me at the, fr- at the beginning of this show. That's not a work mm. dispute. That is divine justice. This is something different. <laughs> Let's not mince our terms here, Joe. Um, but yeah, one of the funnier things, like as I spent more time covering the story, at first my thought was, She's 96. But then, like, as time went on, I was like, it wouldn't really matter if this happened to a judge that was fresh out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. to have this be the co-workers you're dealing with is maddening. So Judge Newman is 96. Uh, she's like, she's like literally the first judge on the, pe- on the federal circuit, I think, uh, when yeah. it was created. The argument of her colleagues is that she, well, they made a few arguments. Uh, mm-hmm. One was that she was behind in her workload uh, because she's going slow, which uh, I, mm-hmm. anybody who has dealt with federal judges knows that that's not a unique issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they escalated this to claiming that she was losing her mental faculties. She brought an expert, which was uh, an expert in neuroscience from a university who said, actually, no, she's great. And the judges said, we've decided we disagree with the science. Uh, And they (laughs) sidelined her. Now, as you might remember from the Constitution, (laughs) the other judges on the court don't get to kick a judge off the court. That's kind of a role of Congress. There's only one way off the federal. Well, there's two ways. You you decide. Mm -hmm. Well, there's three. You can resign. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. can die, or Mm -hmm. the you can be convicted by the Senate. Right. None of those seem to have happened here. Uh, But they tried to get her off. Now she challenged this in court. The most egregious answer that that where we kind of left it uh, right as we ended the year was that the 
the, her colleagues said the case was moot because they had decided she had caught up on all of her work, and that's really the sanction. And so there's no more need for this case because it's not going to repeat itself because we've taken her off of hearing more cases, which is like that's that's actually the thing she's challenging. So really, aside from everything else, they just seem like they're kind of bad at this judging thing. <laughs> And that's also, I mean, like one thing you mentioned was the the argument being made, but the the part that blew my mind was just the straight up accusations that were proven false oh, and there were no yeah. consequences. Because at one point they said, oh, she had a heart attack and there are stents in her heart. Survey says that never happened. <laughs> like went to the doctor, never had a heart attack. There were no stents. And and there was like, they're just, they're not, it, it feels like lying under oath, but that's not technically what happened because like they weren't. Nobody would. Yeah, I mean, they're. Well, I mean, they're putting it in. It's close, right? Like, but it, but it feels. Well, if you put it in a declaration, that's lying under oath. I mean, you have to. When you put in an affidavit or a declaration, I mean, you are doing that under penalty of perjury. So. Yeah. Well, they put it in a document. Yeah, yeah. that's the case. So, like, there was no, there was no follow up on being like, oh, by the way, this is not true. You know, there's mm. no, no, no other shoe dropped. And like to just know yeah. your coworkers are lying on you and like you got it on record and you just got to, you know, oh, guess we got to get have a hand in this decision today. Like, no, wait, you're a dick. Like, <laughs> can we talk about what just happened? Let's finish this off the court situation with the biggest story of the year by pure traffic at Above the Law this year was Judge Roger Benitez of the Southern District of California handcuffing a 13-year-old girl who was watching a hearing. He handcuffed her to the jury box in some sort of weird, scared, straight nonsense. Uh, then he sentenced her father to who had to watch the traumatization of this crying child. Uh, he sentenced the father. Uh, this was then ex correctly by his attorneys elevated to higher powers who then got a new judge who let the guy, you know, felt that the guy had been punished enough by watching all of this. Uh, but what happened after that is that this got elevated to the Ninth Circuit for a at a review by the Judicial Council, which obviously the appellate court can look at what district courts are doing. Uh, they were going to keep this quiet, apparently, and not publicize that they were going to do this. However, above the law had knowledge that it was going on, and we, we, we put it out there, which forced the Ninth Circuit to admit, because of media coverage, that they were looking into the situation. Uh, and... Well, it is uh, 2024, and we've not gotten any resolution. So we've gone almost an entire year with nothing. This seems particularly egregious. No, yeah. This guy, this guy's a chump. Uh, <laughs> and that a yeah, no, I mean, he, yeah, this guy's a chump, and he's always been a chump. That's a technical term for this kind of judge. He's also the, the guy who's like running around saying that the Second Amendment specifically doesn't allow you to have any regulations at all in California. Like he's he's an outlier even amongst conservatives on the positions he takes. He's he's you know, the fact that he does this sort of thing to a child like speaks to the level of kind of the mindset that's required to think these sorts of things. Anyway, so that uh that's all that's it for our court side stuff, I think. McDermott Will and Emery is Vault's number one law firm for associate satisfaction three years running. Why? because they're doing big law better. At McDermott, you define what your success looks like. They help you achieve it. McDermott's award-winning professional development program and hands-on mentorship propel you toward your goals, while the industry-leading wellness benefits help you feel your best so you can do your best. 
Want to see how your life could be better at McDermott? Head to mwe.com slash above the law. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Now we are back to talk a little bit about big law. As I see it, big mm-hmm. law this year was a tale of two economies. Sure, sure. It yeah. was either... There's either cuts and, and layoffs even that have impacted these. Don't talk about layoffs. You kidding me? Layoffs? Yeah, layoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment of silence for everybody that had to endure that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, the, the Jim Morris sound effect is one of my favorites. Go. Yeah, layoffs, which included the in the associate ranks. And on the other hand, we had a series of raises that was initiated by Milbank and Cravath came over the top for mid-level and senior associates that said, actually, we've got plenty of money and we're going to increase the amount that we're paying our associates. So I think that, you know, we, we've talked about this, I think, throughout the course of the year as these as these stories you know came to light. And not all big law firms are the same. We have not seen the sort of universal acceptance of the new pace, the new Milbank Cravath pay scale that we have in other years when there were in other years where there are uh, raises, they tends to be, you know, kind of almost universally accepted by the entirety of the sort of AMLAW 200. But that's not what we're seeing. You know, it's still ongoing, right? Because they only made the raises in in November is when you know the beginning of November is when Milbank acted and then Cravath at the end of the month. So you know we're January. You know the raises are only are are effective only this month. So we'll see. Other people can always make them retroactive or you know still do them. But I think we're really seeing a bifurcation in the top of big law between the money law firms that can afford the top salaries and those that cannot. You know, it's interesting. We we really speculated early on that there was going to be a dividing line uh, mm-hmm. that showed up. And there has been, but it's been a haphazard one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you can easily say, oh, firms with X amount of revenue are the ones who, above this line, they're matching, and below this line, they aren't. It, there's tons of people below that the line we would have speculated that are matching, and tons of people above it who haven't. Yet. Well, I think also, I, I think... That's also because we have a delay in the data information, which I I, I would be I'll be interested to see once the 2023 numbers are fully out, which they aren't yet, to see whether or not the folks, you know, the firms that are sort of below the publicly available information that we have from 2021 is lower than we would have thought they would be easily matching if they have these big increases, Mm -hmm. um, which may be part of the reason why they're, you know, comfortable doing that. And if some of the folks that are notably quiet sort of during raise season that you would be like, hmm, I really thought X firm would have done something if when the numbers all shake out, they have not, they've had a particularly bad 2023. Yeah, it it is interesting. And uh, obviously this is going along with raises. We've had the standard anonymous folks 
hand wringing, claiming that the world is going to end if they have to give a raise. We'll have to lay people off. We'll have to increase the hours that the associates have to work to match this. And all of it's fairly pretty much hooey. Looking back over the history, like you have to go clear back to the 80s to find a point where this isn't really in line with how inflation has operated. You should not have to work harder as an associate to make this extra money. You're working the same amount as somebody who made 125000 did in 2001, because it's the same amount I of mean, money. I, I think, you know, as an, to track inflation, that is accurate. But whether or not they shouldn't have to work any harder and whether they actually have to work any harder to make this money are two very different questions. I think we are seeing firms that are increasing the requirements, not as much on base salary, but on certainly on bonus mm-hmm. bonuses. You know, you have to either increasing the number of hours you have to bill, decreasing the number of sort of firm hours that count towards your billable requirement. Also, we're seeing firms looking very closely at how many days you're in the office and whether or not uh, you're meeting their firm's uh, sort of standard for whatever they think their hybrid oh, yeah. workforce looks like. And if you don't meet that, they're going to use their discretion because bonuses are fundamentally discretionary to potentially dock some folks. And, you know, people talk, we talked about this at this time last year where it was the first time there was rumblings that in office, you know, showing your face literally is going to matter. And a lot of firms have said that it will matter in their decisions. And we haven't really heard from a ton of people who were negatively impacted by this, maybe because people are actually showing up to the office because they're scared of getting it docked or because it was just bluster from firms. Who knows? Maybe a combination of those factors. Yeah. But well, that I was... think there's a lot more requirements uh, on associates to make their full bonuses. Well, that's why I went, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was also what I was going to transition. One of the big themes of this year in big law is wither the hybrid work situation. We had gotten used to the idea, the associates had gotten used to the idea of they didn't have to go in every day. Uh, there's been mm-hmm. pushback on that. There's been people who had changed their lives during the hybrid era, moved to, you know, further away, uh, willing to do the commute a few days a week, but not every, uh, what's going to happen with these folks? And what about the firms that will stick with hybrid? Uh, Are they in a position to really reap the benefits in the talent war by, you know, doing that? It's, I think I think the, how the talent war shakes out is very much an open question, and, and I guess we'll see. There's a couple things I wanted to to point out, though, is that even the firms that are being the most sort of draconian about it are not talking about five days in the office. They're talking about four days in the office, which if you told me in 2018 that yeah. big law firms are only going to require you to be in the office four days a week, every single person would have 100% that was a massive victory for work-life balance. Do not That's lose true. sight of that fact. And the other thing, which good, bad, or indifferent, what we're seeing and what big law leaders are saying on record is mm. that junior associates are that were solely that came were onboarded during COVID or shortly after COVID when it was you know hybrid and they were not any required days in the, or specifically required time in the office were are not at the level that their counterparts in a fully in person world were at. Yeah. They're saying that their skill level is not where it needs to be. And they're, you know, if you you're they're being paid the same, you know, accounting for, right. you know, and that is a problem. I don't know that the only way to solve it is in person. There may be other solutions, but we're hearing very clearly from big law that there is a problem. 
Yeah. What people don't quite understand about the in-office thing is that a lot of the actual training that makes you good at this job mm -hmm. is not stuff that's formal. Uh, we have gotten by for years all with bad formal training and picking this stuff up by, you know, standing at a assistant's desk, screwing something up and the assistant going, yeah, you don't do it that way. Mm -hmm. Or walking by a fifth year's office and them telling you, no, that's not how you do this. Like those, or, or walking by not only just negative feedback, but sometimes, you know, walking by someone's office that you're in a case with them saying, oh, I'm about to call so-and-so, come yeah. in and listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't bill for this, but come in and listen. Right. And and I I said it there, but I want to stress what I said there. We've seen above and beyond the layoffs that we've seen in the associate ranks. We continue to see tons of layoffs at the staff level, mm -hmm. uh, which is a sign of the fact that these firms are starting to find ways and efficiencies there. But the unfortunate part about that is that the staff often plays a unheralded role in that sort of soft learning. You want to know why there might be some training issues? Well, look no further than there's not yeah, a 30-year legal secretary yeah, you've there. Cut your, yeah, you've cut yeah. your staff, and you you now have a quarter of the staff, and they are not, they're not able to actually tell associates what they have to yeah. do. All right. I think that's our big law roundup. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. All right, finally, it's kind of quick wild card stuff. Uh, we managed to get through all of this without even talking about Donald Trump. Uh, it's interesting to look at That's a year that was. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. It, Where's the soundboard when you need it? Oh, well, I mean. There you go. I mean, that, that's the sound of basically every filing they made this year. Listen, the former president of the United States is involved in multiple criminal cases, and that is something that we kind of get to at the end as an afterthought, which is wild. We've had some real humdingers of legal arguments coming out of his team. Alina Hava remains one of the most bizarre legal stories ever she has been you know part of that sanctioned for a million dollars uh for filing the rico against everybody uh <laughs> which is not a thing and so she got sanctioned for that she's bragging about that in places i don't quite know how that plays but whatever we'll see how this goes yeah and not not only is the former president you know facing a bunch of criminal charges a bunch of his lawyers <laughs> or or lawyers that are maybe not his lawyers yeah, but certainly orbit, in his yeah. orbit uh are also facing charges a bunch of them have pled guilty Sidney powell jenna ellis chesbro all all have pled guilty yeah to criminal acts related to their attempts to overturn the 2020 election. And these are people who are sworn to uphold the Constitution. Let's not forget. One would think. Well, they were all admitted. They were all barred. Yeah. Well, uh, the other quick story, I think, uh, we're just doing wild card, like favorite okay. stories, things that we haven't talked about, like hit me. That we didn't already cover because yeah. Ginny Thomas is... Uh, 
continues to be a, a, a constant thorn in my side. Oh yeah, the fact that she exists, the the fact that that <laughs> <laughs> the fact that her uh, advocacy work isn't even the most scandalous thing about her husband's time on the court. Yeah. One second, I just want to loop back to you being pissed off that she's breathing. <laughs> the fact she exists. Well, no, no, uh, let's no, not no, put no, it that no, way. No, not like that. But like the fact that someone who is so involved in the political process is married to a Supreme Court justice and who continues to hear cases that is directly related to his wife's advocacy work. Mm-hmm. That I yeah. don't like that that exists. Exists as in the circumstance of yes. somebody doing that. Gotcha, yeah, no, gotcha. I hear that. Oh, also, remember when they were just like, oh, we're just, we don't talk about anything together. We're just good friends. And then, and then she turned around and was like, he's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then also said in testimony that her best friend helped her quote unquote best friend helped her keep the faith that Donald Trump would come to power again after the 2020 election. So, and then, and then, you know, her best friend who she has said is Clarence Thomas also hears cases related to January 6th. Yeah. Which, so. uh, which... And that's not even the most scandalous part of his tenure on the court. Uh, Ron DeSantis is trying to run for president, and he thought a good way of doing that was to piss off Sue Walt, Mickey uh, Disney. Mouse. <laughs> yeah, that that has been consistently not working out for him. The only win that he managed to get in his attempts to get Disney now, let's the, this, as backup. One of my favorite stories of the year was all this Disney stuff because it really was, it was great one of those, lawyering. It was one of those moments of great lawyering that makes you remember like the rule against perpetuities and how fun that is. <laughs> uh, it, I don't, I don't, I don't go that far, but it does make fun. you think that like, oh, in the face of evil, you could just be smarter. Yeah, because so, the whole Reedy Creek thing was definitely that moment. Florida had a unique relationship with Disney. Disney owns bunches of land, as you might imagine, way more than just the parks. They own a lot of the area around it. That area needs like fire and security and and garbage pickup and yada, 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 rather than have all this land, which is miles and square miles and square miles worth of land, be chopped up into different municipalities there's a there was a separate government that just ran the disney proper the property that's 100 percent owned by disney gets run by a board of you know the residents there which are disney that is what desantis decided to screw with uh he tried to do it first in a way that would have cost taxpayers millions of dollars in bond uh having to pay off bonds so that didn't work so then he came up with the idea of replacing all the people on the board with new people that he handpicked including the guy who thinks that fluoride makes people gay uh fluoride in the water uh so he tried to put those people on which he did what he did not understand is that the existing board still had power until that happened and the existing <laughs> board complied with all the rules of public notice but none of DeSantis's people bothered to pay attention to public notices and they went ahead and entered a bunch of legal agreements with Disney that stripped the board of its power uh, boom just, just high comedy uh, this is being litigated on multiple levels by multiple people uh, the so far the only victory that DeSantis has managed to come up with is that the judge it was originally assigned to self-recused uh, because it turned out some his brother's cousin's former college roommate or something owned some Disney stock. Uh, and so they got a new judge. And that is literally the only victory they've managed to secure <laughs> so far. That that story has been just high comedy because it's it's like DeSantis is just like stepping on rakes back and forth. Uh, and it's 
it's high comedy. Uh, is there any other? Uh, do we have any other? There was another attempt at currying favor that we need to mention yeah. so far. James Ho. Oh, well, that te- Ho kind of came last year, although he continues to he continues Wasn't to the Bible sighting this year. Levels. Was the Bible one yes, this year? Yes, okay. that was one of my stories. This year, it was uh, James Ho was fighting with uh, another Fifth Circuit judge about the definition uh, oh, in yes. the Bible of various terms that was related somehow to the law. I think seeking. Uh, yeah, it's super original. Yeah, seeking. Yeah, it was <laughs> okay. That, that, there's that. There's also all of our Burning Man coverage. Oh, God. That was ridiculous. That was this year. <laughs> that was ridiculous. It was glorious. It was glorious. Shouts out to the uh, Halloween outfit contestant that wore the little goofy hat. That dressed up like Neil's picture from yeah. it. Yeah, that was that, that, was, was, ATL, that was an ATL team favorite. That yes, was. Absolutely. I think that's fair to say. That was that was our champion. But uh, uh, you'll recall that uh, Hogan Love's partner, Neil Katyal, attended Burning Man. Burning Man this year was a flood zone and required some extreme measures to leave before the, uh, if you wanted to leave early, uh, which uh, as a big law partner, Neil needed to leave. Uh, and so he made a harrowing six mile hike in the middle of the night to exit Burning Man, posted about it on on, I think it might have been Twitter at the time. Now is X, whatever it's called. <laughs> oh, uh, that's a story we haven't even dealt with. Yeah. <laughs> every every stupid Elon Musk, Musk decision this year. Go on. Yeah. And so he posted about your ability to exit and wrapping your feet in plastic. And some people were like, actually, don't that'll that. cause trench foot. And yeah. there was a whole <laughs> trench foot, big law, burning man story that is just <laughs> as delightfully ridiculous as that sounds this was a mad yeah. lib year <laughs> really was burning man trench foot Ron DeSantis Disney <laughs> like a like a like, family guy aside yeah I mean seriously like trench foot like have you thought about that since you studied world since war since world war one yeah. no I mean I, I don't remember I world war one as like have. a lived experience yeah, yeah, yeah. but I remember learning about it I mean, it's my Roman Empire, um, but no. <laughs> You're a guy. No, you I, know the Roman Empire is your I Roman do, Empire. I do think of the Roman Empire all the time. Wild, uh, wild. I also work at law, like Latin, Latin's a thing. Anyway, yeah, so it's been quite the year. Hopefully this year is going to be a little bit better. Don't it say, won't. damn, you jinxed it. You jinxed yeah, it. Yeah, no, oh it won't. I remember, I remember, we, I remember it, was, it was 2022, I think in like all the celebrities were dying. <laughs> And mm-hmm. then, and then, like we were like, oh, hopefully twenty twenty three will be better. And then it was like, wait, World War Three? <laughs> yeah, because that was this year, right? Yeah, With Ukraine yeah. and Russia. That was this year. Well, like last year, yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. So listen, yeah. Okay. So that's the end. I think of this show. We could go on and on and on the ridiculous stuff that happened in twenty twenty three, but we we don't want to get that depressed let's move to the end here uh thanks everybody for listening to the show you should subscribe to the show so you get new episodes on whatever podcast service you listen to this through uh you get them automatically it's great you should be listening to other shows Catherine's the host of a show called the jabot i'm a panelist on the legal tech week journalists roundtable for legal tech heads you can listen to other shows by the legal talk network you should be reading above the law as always so you get these and more stories as they come out but and you can follow it on social media it's at atl blog at 
the aforementioned Twitters, Xers, whatever. They, I'm at Joseph Patrice. Catherine's at Catherine One. Chris is at Rights for Rent. Same thing holds for Blue Sky, except I'm at Joe Patrice over there. Uh, you should be. What else did we have to say? I can't even remember my own. Ex- I think you outro. handled most of it. That, uh, that's all the end. Hope outros. 2024 treats you well, folks. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We will be back uh, with regular episodes, weekly episodes next week. Peace. Bye. Peace. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, Join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.